Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. What an amazing weekend we had last weekend. How many of you were a part of World Mandate in some capacity? It was incredible. there, There were a few moments. I've been to 20 World Mandates. Yeah, crazy. I couldn't believe it myself. Liz had to tell me that. I was like, there's no way I've been to 20. I've been to 20. And truthfully, I, I have to say this one might be one of my favorite ones. And, and I think, and, and leaning into that, I've told multiple people that, and everyone follows up with the same question. Well, why? Like, wh- why was this one better than the other ones? And honestly, I, I think it was just, there was such a recentering of just the simplicity of the message of Jesus that I found myself, you know, God got a hold of my heart in a significant way as a freshman in college. And it was, it was just, it felt like this narrowing was happening in my life then. And it felt like the exact same thing, this world mandate. It just really was, it's just Jesus. It's just his message. It's his glory. It's his power. And there was a couple of moments during the conference where I was like up here in the front is worshiping my, head, worshiping my head off or just being blown away by the power of these communicators that were preaching the word of God with boldness and clarity that I felt like my heart was going to explode. Did anyone else feel the passion level in their soul kind of like take a little jump up during the conference? Yeah, like I felt like my, there was a couple of moments where I was like, what? I can't believe I get to be here. Like, it was just like, this is amazing what you're doing. God, it's just like the passion that was growing in my soul, just like a love for God and love for the church. It was just like storing up and storing up and storing up in me. And so we had like this incredible plan to come on the back end of World Mandate and to like preach this message about like piggybacking on Robert's call to us to to live on mission and that we're in a war and we, we need to fight the battle that's in front of us. And we were like going to piggyback on that and talk about how we're exiles and we've got we've to run into places and like proclaim the gospel. And I sat down to, to write this message and, and the Holy Spirit just froze me. And he hit me with this phrase. He's like, J.D., what we need to lean into is not another rally cry because as passion increases, so must vision. Can I say that again? As passion increases, so must vision. Because if our passion increases and our vision doesn't increase, we will end up running away from each other versus running with each other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Passion is personal. Passion's personal. Vision is corporate. But in health, in a healthy church, and how many of you want to believe that God is building a healthy church here at Antioch? If, if, you, if you're visiting, welcome to the, just the, what we believe to be that's the coolest thing happening in the city, okay? Just like unapologetically, like we love what God's doing here at Antioch. Like God is on the move. 
He's on the move in people's lives. He's on the move through us as a church. Like, it's amazing what's happening. You have a moment, like, where everybody's in one room, like, world mandate, and you're like, what? This is happening? Like, wow. And in health, there's always room for personal passion in the corporate vision. There's always room for it. But, but we oftentimes find ourselves letting our passion lead to premature action. Can I just jump in this morning? We're just going to go ahead and just. I see this often with 20-year-olds. So if you're not 20, take a deep breath. You're out for this one. I'm coming for you, though. I'm coming for you. But I see this often with 20-year-olds is that passion leads to assumed authority. Meaning that we're passionate about something, so we feel like we're passionate about it so that we can do it like right now. And if we don't do it right now, we almost see like patience is the equivalent to disobedience. And so oftentimes what you see is 20-year-olds saying things like, I need to take a break from church. Or like, no, no, there's not room for me in church. Like, I've got to go do my own thing over here because it doesn't fit. And it's the context of us, God speaking this to me. And if I don't, can I just say, if God is speaking something to you that's pulling you away from community or pulling you away from church, I wouldn't check your calling. I would just check your timing. Because God has called us to do this thing together. And together, here's the bad news, 20-year-olds, is slower. Okay? It's slower. It's clunkier. It is easier to do it by yourself. But doing it by yourself, you'll end up burning up, flaming out. Well, how do you know that? I'm different because that's what some of you are thinking. That's not me. I know it because I did it. Speaking from experience here, when I was 20 years old, I was convinced I was God's gift to the local church. You can laugh at me. It's okay. I, I thought like, oh, man, I know what we need to do. I know what we need to say. I know how we need to say it. I know how we need to design it. Like I had all of these opinions. But can I just say opinions don't mean authority? Like that's, that's kind of tough to say in our opinion driven society. It's like if you have an opinion, everyone shares it as if it's worth hearing. Right? Opinion, have an opinion about something doesn't mean you have authority to speak into something. And I learned that lesson like very loudly in college. My sophomore year, I'm on a mission trip in Mexico. Okay? I was unhappy with the way the trip was being led. I thought, Man, we are leaving so much opportunity on the table. We need better clarity, better vision. We need, we need to have more fun. Like, look around, man. Look at this lame team. It doesn't have to be like this. I had an opinion. 
And so I decided in all of my 20-year-old wisdom, you know what the best thing to do would be right now on this team is to lead a rebellion. Let's just turn everybody against the leaders and let's have them start following me, right? Because I have an opinion about how things need to be. And so if I have an opinion and I'm 20 years old, that must mean I have authority. No, no one came with me on my rebellion. No, no one, as I started to try to seed little seeds of dissension and little seeds of frustration, I was met with maturity. People were like, Griff, nobody wants to follow you, bro. They, they, like, you need to stop. I remember sitting in the back of the bus, this is a true story, sitting in the back of the bus, and I thought, like, you know what we need to do, man? We need to, like, have, like, a rally cry or something. And, and, and so I stood up, and I was like, let's make this art, you know, and the guy who was leading the team was talking at the time. Yeah, you know, I was, I was very helpful. I was a blessing. And to take you back, right, like Robert alluded to this, like back then I had hair, believe it or not, like, and it was like platinum white and like I had like purple spikes in it and face piercings, like I wore leather bands and like, you know, I was a punk rocker. Don't worry, I sobered up. <clears throat> and so this punk rock kid stands up in the back of the bus, okay, and, and over the voice of my leader who was sharing a testimony about what God had done on the outreach, I start trying to lead this chant. And I was met with booze. The team booed me, okay? <laughs> they were like, boo, sit down, boo. I remember sitting in the back of the bus being like, God, like, then why did you stir me to want to lead if you're not going to give me a place to lead? Why did you stir me with these thoughts and these ambitions and opinions about how this moment could be better and then not give me a place to see those things happen? I remember the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and he said, your patience will lead to your future power. Your patience will lead to your future power. Matthew 26, Jesus is facing the cross. His calling, why he's on the earth, to, to give himself as a sacrifice to end for humanity. The need for us to try to make our way back to God. God came to us and Jesus on the eve of experiencing so much pain and so much rejection and so much physical agony. Jesus did not go alone. Jesus, fully God, fully man. If anyone probably 
could have made it alone, it was Jesus. Can we agree with that? But Jesus said, I'm going to take 12 guys and live life with those 12 guys. And remember, we talked about good biblical theology is based on the narrative of Scripture and anchored in biblical consistency. Look, so the intent of Jesus to not do his life alone should be noted for how we do our lives. And so Jesus, on the eve of the pressure, feeling the power of what he was going to be coming against, Jesus looks at his disciples, his 12 guys, and he says, Jesus went to them and and he called them to a place in Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. You know, sometimes you come into a moment in life when you need to have a group of people that you can come to and say, I'm going through a tough time. Can you sit here while I fight through this? Am I talking to anybody? Like, it's important that you have a community like Jesus did when you're going through something challenging, when you can say, hey, guys, can you sit with me? Can you sit with me? I'm going to go fight. I'm gonna, there's still a battle that I have to do personally, but I need you to be with me. And he took Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. We need each other. We need each other, not just to stay in the fight. We need each other for the fight. We need each other, not just to stay in the fight, but we need each other for the fight. And growing up in Houston, there's only one, if you love Houston, we'll do ministry for you at the end of the service. I didn't love Houston. I still don't. My family's there. Bless them. But there is one cool thing about living in Houston. It's NASA's there. NASA is in Houston. And, 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 and growing up in Houston, and the church we were going to was right next to NASA. And so we had a lot of the engineers from NASA that came to our church. And so we got to, like, go on these, like, underground tours of NASA and to see, like, behind the scenes and, like, all this really cool stuff. And, like, for someone who wishes they were smart enough to be an engineer and really enjoys engineering, it was, like, heaven, right? Like, amazing, so cool. And and so one of these days, we were on this tour with a guy who was over, check this out, he was over the design of the space station. I shook his hand so funny like this is a side story has nothing to do with the message but it's fun so they were working with the russians on building the space station right and he said it's amazing how differently we go about everything he said nasa has invested millions of dollars this is true on trying to develop a ballpoint pen that would write in space because gravity doesn't exist in space, right? The ink won't go down. So they spent like millions to try to figure out how to have a pen that would work in space. And the Russians were hearing about this pen and they said, oh, we just use pencil. (laughs) It's a true story. 
we're going through this tour, and we found ourselves on the floor of the mission control where Apollo 11 happened, in the room. And it's like a historic site, right? So they, they have gutted all of the computers that basically have the computing power of a graphic calculator, which in and of itself is a mind blow. Like our cell phones can do more than the freaking rocket. It's crazy to me. But I'm in the room and, you know, it's just cool, right? You're just like, wow, like this is amazing. Like, like, like real deal stuff happened in this place. And you know, when you think about the Apollo missions, it's pretty spectacular what those people were able to achieve. There was this like big mission that was thrown out to the country. We will go to the moon in our decade. Not because it is easy, but because it's hard. Was that good? If you didn't know that was John F. Kennedy. We look so much alike. I'm sure you were just like drawn right into that. And so this huge, massive vision was thrown out to the, to the nation. And then it happened. But you know what's even crazier than the fact that we actually landed someone on the moon? You know what's crazier than that? Do you know that it was over 400,000 people focused on that one mission? 400,000 people focused on that one specific Mission, and you want to talk about finding personal traction in the midst of a big vision. Did you know that over 6,000 new technologies were invented in that time span of us getting a man to the moon as these engineers who, can we just say it, had dreams, ambitions, passions, their own personal visions. They all said, I'm going to find a place for the things I'm passionate about to live within this big mission that I'm a part of. And because of that, we were able to do something as a nation that is just way beyond even imagining. 400,000 people leaning into one thing, and then all of a sudden, something that seemed to be impossible became routine. Isn't that crazy? Like the Apollo missions got so normal that they shut them down. They're like, it's just too easy. What? You're going to the moon. This is what happens when a group of people sell out for a big vision. More than we can ask or imagine happens when people lean into one thing, we see more than we could even dream. And I think for us as a church, as we're in a season where our passion is increasing, our vision has to increase because I believe that God is creating a rocket here. 
It's going to launch and do more than we can even imagine, but it's not just a few of us. It's going to take all of us, and it's not about surrendering the things that God's stirring in us, but it's leaning in together as God is stirring us personally to where God's leading us corporately. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Because there's room for us to have personal passion in the midst of the corporate vision when we are leaning into Jesus. Because Jesus does not contradict himself. Did you know that? God does not speak one thing to you and one thing to somebody else so that y'all will fight. No, that's your flesh getting in the way of what God is stirring in you. God does not contradict himself. God does not divide his church. God does not divide us from each other. No, the whole gospel is about us coming together. And when we come together, I believe that we'll see more than we could ask, hope, or imagine. I love how Paul says it in Ephesians 3. He says that his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Can you imagine Like we discover more of God as we lean into what he's building in us. And it says this in verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he'd accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Then I love verse 13. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering. I mean, Paul was just admonishing us. He's like, look, it's not about how I personally feel in the midst of the corporate vision of what God is building. Don't feel sorry for my suffering because it's for your glory. As our passion increases, so must our vision. So for us, it's simple. We exist so all may know. That's why we're here. We talked a couple of weeks ago that the intent of God is that all men would be saved and come to a saving knowledge of the truth. God's intent has not changed, even though the tensions we feel on earth have, and so our mission will not change. Our big mission of why we exist, it's simple. It's God's intent so that all may know. That's why we gather here on a Sunday. That's why we do life groups throughout the week. That's why we have these big events where we invite people to come, because we believe that God has put us here so that the gospel of the kingdom, the truth of Jesus could be declared and the glory of God can be revealed in the city of Austin and ultimately so goes Austin, so goes the nation. Amen? We live in the coolest city in the world. That's why we're here. That's it. It's simple. It's not complicated. We we want people to know Jesus. That's why we're here. And you guys have probably, if you've been here a couple of times and you heard Chris even say it this morning, almost every time we gather, we say, we call them our three big rocks, right? That we want to be a people who love God, love life, 
and live free. That's who we are. Right? Why we're here is so all may know. Who we are is we're a people, man. We want you to have passion. We, we want you to know that God's planted you somewhere with a purpose, right? And we want you to live in freedom. I mean, that's it. Like, that is the sign of a healthy person in God is that you're, you're in love with him. You're passionate for Jesus. Like, look, that's why I think this world mandate resounded with so many of us because it just got us back to that simple truth in the midst of the complexity of life. It's just about loving God. It's about, it's about filling our homes and about filling this room with the glory of heaven. That's what it's about. Like nothing else ultimately matters. Are you with me? Like it's about loving God. God, it's about understanding that you've been placed on purpose for a purpose where you are. Like, love your life. Your life is not a mistake. You're not stuck. You're not in a rut. There's a purpose for it. There, there's, there's breakthrough for you in it. There's, there's hope and revelation of who God is in you. Like, when we become a people who are thankful and not judgmental, there's power there. And we, we've got to understand that God's placed us where he's placed us with an intention so his kingdom can come in that place. And look, man, freedom is the marker of restoration. Like, I, I, I just, I can't, there's no other stories that fire me up more than people getting free from stuff. You know why? Because it's the gospel. That's what it is. It's like the old is gone and the new has come. And, and like the chains and the weight and the anxiety and, and just the stuff that can just like suffocate us and take our legs out from under us. When that stuff begins to just get ripped out and we start living free, the ripple effect of freedom is freedom. It just, it just, it just, it starts rolling. It starts rolling. Why we're here. So all may know who we are. So we can love God. We, we can be people that love life and live free. We want to be a people that are passionate for him. Understand he's given us a purpose and we're free. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me for us specifically in this season. The word get ready. And as I was leaning in to that word, get ready, I was like, I mean, I couldn't shake it. It was like all world mandate. It was like, Lord, what are you saying? Get ready. Like I'd spending time with God. What are you saying, Lord? Get ready. It got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like get ready. Okay. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Get ready. Get, get ready. I'm like, okay, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worshiping. Get ready. Okay. I'm ready. He led me Isaiah 49, verse 2. He said, he, speaking of God, has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me and he made me into a polished arrow and he concealed me in his quiver. And he said to me, you're my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. And God said that we are entering into an Isaiah 49, 2 and 3 season. He's inviting us into a season of being sharpened, 
resting in hiddenness, being refined, and then ultimately being displayed. And there's so much in that verse. And we're going to keep coming back to this. And I would encourage you to be here next week because we're going to be leaning into some sharpening opportunities that we have coming. But, but I really want to lean into this idea for a few minutes of being an arrow in God's quiver. And so I brought an arrow with me this morning. You know, the thing about an arrow is that it's a weapon. Did you know that? This is not for decoration. This has a purpose. Like when it was made, it was made with a specific purpose to channel the energy that was going to be applied to the back of it as focused as possible. Like people spend their entire lives in this industry trying to figure out how no energy that's applied to the back of this arrow will be wasted so that it hits where it's been aimed with maximum impact. And I love this idea of us being sharpened, going into a season where God's sharpening us and narrowing our lives and, and pulling us back to just the simple things of just loving him and loving one another. I, I love that. And, and I love the idea that God wants to put us in his quiver. You know what a quiver is? A quiver is where you keep your arrows. I know, revolutionary. Like, Church, we are called to be on the ready. God has been refining us, polishing us. We've, we've, we, there's moments where maybe you have felt as an individual, you've been like, you know, I feel hidden. I, I connect with that. I feel like that there's a hidden season that I'm in. And, and, and God is saying to you, like, you're in my quiver. So you just be ready because there's going to be a moment when, when I'm going to pull you out of my quiver and I'm going to put you in my bow of glory and I have polished you and sharpened you and I've made you so perfectly that none of the energy, the power that I'm going to put behind you is going to be wasted as you impact where I'm pointing you. God's making us into an arrow and as I was leaning into that this question kind of came up in my brain like so God like so how do we fly like you've been really clear to us like this is why we're here we're, we're here so all may know you've been clear to us this is who we are we're people that love God and love life and live free it's like so God like but but like what do we do like, what does Antioch do? Why does Antioch exist here in Austin? And God just spoke to me, and he said, there's a grace on your house to be a people that gather to restore and to deploy. There, look, let me just be honest with you. There are churches that are better than us at gathering people. They're, they're better at it than us. They, get, they gather more people. That's cool. Bless them. There are churches that are better at us at seeing people restored. There are whole churches where their mission is just simple. It's just like inner healing and physical healing. 
bless them. But God spoke to me. He said, the reason we're here is because God is raising a church that doesn't do one of them, doesn't do two of them, but does all three of them. And then he started rewinding everything that we've done as a church over the past few years where we did not have this language. We just were obedient to what he said. He told us to do like these massive carnivals and like hundreds of people come and people get saved. And he was like, because there's a grace for you to gather. We felt like God was stirring us to like do inner healing and to start opening up the, the, the gates for people to walk into the presence of God and let their past be dealt with so they can move forward in Jesus. And so we said, look, let's do like a big day. We're just going to call it Freedom Day. And we had 150 people show up to Freedom Day. And God showed me like, it's because there's a grace on your house to see people restored. We go through our, our cards, our prayer requests, and our praise reports every week as a staff. And there's, it's hard for me to remember a week where someone doesn't write, I came and I feel like God freed me from alcoholism. I came and I feel like God has freed me from my drug addiction. I came and I felt like God freed me from pornography. Look, because there's a grace on our house for us to see people restored. And we deploy people. It's not about here. In Antioch, we become really good at saying goodbye. Can I just say that? Can I give you some bad news? We believe that God is positioning us to send people out. Not just to the four corners of the earth, but to the four corners of our city. Being deployed is not just for the few who feel like God is calling them to a life of being a missionary. Being deployed is anyone who says yes to Jesus. Because we are all to live on mission. We're all to live with his kingdom in us and living through us. That's, that, that's it. That, like, that's what we do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you're like, wow, Jay, you gave me a lot of lists and I know. And I don't expect you to remember them. But like, this has helped me. Like, let's think about it like this. Why? Who? What and how, why, so all may know who. We love God, we love life, we live free. What do we do? We gather people, we restore people, and we see them deployed. How do we do it? How do we do it? It's simple. It's the steps. You guys remember the steps? Like, it's find a place to encounter God, find a place to matter, find a place to belong. We want that language to be in you, like asking people in your life groups and the people you're hanging out with, like, hey, how's your encounter with God going? Do you need some help? Can I back you up? Like, yo, like, have you found your place to serve, your place to matter? Like, are you building into somebody? Like, it's, it's actually not complicated complicated it's really simple but it's going to take all of us leaning into our big mission to see the impossible happen amen now I want to end with this because as I was kind of preparing for this message the Lord brought me to Revelation 2 and I felt like the Lord said that JD the warning for you as a church is that as your clarity increases so much your intimacy. As we lean into trying to be the best church that God has called us to be, it can't just to be about the things that we do. It has to be about the one that we serve. And Revelations 2 says this, these things says he, speaking of Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of seven golden lamps. 
I know your works, Jesus says. I know your labor, your patience. And that you can't bear those who are evil. And that you've tested those who say that they're apostles and are not. And you've found them to be liars. And you've, you, you have persevered and you have patience and labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Can you hear it? Like the church in Ephesus here was a great church. They fought for the right things. They had great programs. Their mission and their vision was clear. They were patient. They, they hung in there. They fought the good fight. And Jesus says this. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen and repent and do the first works, the first things, the simple things, and I will come to you quickly and I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Repent, the lampstand represents the presence of God. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolites, which I also hate. He's basically saying, look, but you stood for righteousness. You're not allowing liberal doctrine to come in and distort your pursuit of what is true and right. And then he says this in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit of the Lord says to the church, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God, don't you love that Jesus looks at this church and he says, look, all you have to do is just repent. Just come back. Just come back to the simple things. In the midst of all that you're doing, in the midst of all of your patience, in the midst of all of your programs, in the midst of all of your vision, all of your clarity, just, just come back. Just come back to the first things. Just come back to Jesus. And I feel that we're entering into a season and, and I hope that you join in with us and I, I hope that you lean into this with us is that our, our emphasis for a season is that we would fill this place with glory more than concerning ourselves with filling it with people are you hearing what I'm saying? Our, we always want to fill the house with glory we always want to fill it with people but we have a window there's like this word for us there's a word for us in this is like that we will be a house where the glory of God dwells. And when you walk in here, you're like, whoa. Like, whoa. God's here. Whoa. Because we will not forsake our first love even as we are becoming the great church he's called us to be. Are you with me? Are you with me? That, that, that we will lean into Jesus and Jesus alone. At the end of it all, we're believing that God has given us a vision to see Antioch last for a hundred years, unless Jesus comes back before them. But to last for a hundred years, we want this, we don't just want this to be a flash in the pan, something that just happens for 10 to 20. No, we want Antioch to last for a hundred years. And, and how that's going to happen is that our foundation is the glory of heaven. Our foundation is the glory of God. It's just, it's the first things. It's the simple things. It's just Jesus. It's Christ alone. Amen. Can you stand to your feet?